this time we're not going to take up any more time. We're going to cut this preacher loose, amen, and let her just be used of God. I want you to give a new life welcome to Sister Stacy Harrison, right? Harrison. Amen. I got to get a couple things out of the way first before we start. So New Life, I need y'all to understand some things because it's going to be pivotal as we progress through today. The word that I'm going to minister today, God gave me the weekend of December 5th, okay? He gave me two messages for this house on the first weekend in December. I was in Orlando on a balcony. My husband and my 16-year-old were at the gym. And God spoke this for new life. And I was excited about it. And on the plane coming here, I was going to study it out some more, right? Because I'm, I'm a word girl. I like it. It comes alive to you. And God began to speak to me on the plane. And he said, you got to go back, daughter. You got to go back. And I'm thinking, huh? But Holy Spirit has never lied to me. God has never missed. And he said, you got to go back and you got to deal with Miriam and you got to deal with Aaron and you got to deal with the quail. And I said, oh, God. And we did that yesterday. I mean, I'm serious. I don't, I don't know. Your, your pastor's wife is a powerhouse, you know, but I don't know how many southern white women you have preaching here. You know what I'm saying? And I don't even know if you'll let me come back if I'm preaching on Miriam and Aaron. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you got to deal with the deep. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's what happens sometimes. And God just did it, right? But you need to know. It makes me want to cry when I think about it. You need to know. God gave me yesterday's message on an airplane last Thursday. But he gave me today's message in December. God knew you would receive yesterday to be able to receive today in December. Let that sink in. You might not have thought it, but God knew it. God knew it. He had faith in new life. I have, a th I have three boys. I'm a boy mom. I have Cole, who's 28, Chase, who's 26, and Cohen, who's 16, but he's six foot four, okay? So there's three guys here that I immediately, like, I'm just Mama Stacy, right? So Cameron and Kyle and Justin, I'm just a boy mom. And the rest of you, don't get jealous. I raise whole ball teams, okay? It's okay. <laughs> but last night, Cam was here in front of the, baptistry and he had his hands like this right and immediately Holy Spirit said he's a midwife he's a midwife and not only him but the whole family is midwives and if you look who's, who's Mike who's the dude that wanted the song last Okay, it don't matter. Tell him he didn't miss God. Um, 
So he's here last night, he's the midwife. And the Holy Spirit began to deal with me and say, it's for this whole church, the whole pastoral team, your midwives. And when you're delivering a baby, the water breaks. The water had to break on the mountain. The water had to break last night. But that midwife is sitting there about to catch the new life. In order to catch the, the new life, that mama gets weary. She gets tired. And that midwife is sitting there screaming, push, push. And you know what that baby's got to go through to live? The ring of fire. You're in the ring of fire today. It's that last push. It's that moment where breakthrough, the water has broke. The water is broken. You got midwives sta sitting there going, push. Go through the ring of fire. When you feel like you're going to die, a woman is nearer to death at childbirth than any other time. Your flesh is dying so that Christ can live. And it feels like a ring of fire. But I'm going to tell you something, mamas. You know this. Every time that baby's born and that baby gets put in your arm, you'll take all the pain all over again. Because it's worth it. It's so worth it, you'll have another one. Knowing that you got to go through the pain and the push and the ring of fire all over again. That's what he's talking about from glory to glory. That's what he talked about last year was good. This, this up until this moment has been amazing, but there's more. But there's more. But there's more. But there's more. Today you have a choice. There's always choices. You can be satisfied with the water breaking. Or baby, you can push. And you can go through the ring of fire. And you can experience new life. New life like you've never known. Father God, in the name of Jesus, <coughs> Justin, I need water. Can I have this? Baby boy, can I? Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I, let, I just know right now, God, that your anointing is already on this house. Father God, it's who you are and it's what you do. And Lord, I just ask you to anoint this word, God. I take authority over my voice, God. You ordain me to minister and to preach this word. And, Lord, I command every hindrance to be bound up right now. Lord, these people, these people, God, are coming through the fire this day. Have your way, God. As never before, God, you desire to fill this house with the glory cloud, God. Oh, God, it's breakthrough to the promised time, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't let it fool you. God always provides. Yesterday we talked about breaking the cycle to break through. Today we're going to be discussing breaking 
through to the promise. I'm going to try to slow down and teach today. The people who live with me laugh at that. So we're going to turn to Numbers chapter 13 if you want to do that. We're going to be teaching out of Numbers 13 and Numbers 14. Let's go on to Numbers 14. We're going to read 20 through 24. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all these men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto the fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Now, I'm not going to read all these scriptures, but when you go back to Numbers 13, I love what Pastor said yesterday. Be like the, Ber- the Bereans. Go back and research it yourself. I promise you it's word. But back in Numbers chapter 13, God had established a covenant. And he had told Moses, he said, go into the land to take it. He had given them the promise. How many of you have promises today? You have a promise. You know that you know that you know God has given you the promise. But there's a process. This is, we just celebrated the new year in our world, but in the Hebrew calendar, it is 5783. And 80 is the decade of pay which is the mouth. It's the mouth. It's language. It's what you speak. And when they wrote it out, everything in Hebrew has a meaning. It is a mouth that is opened and a mouth that is closed. Okay? There's a proverb that says, even a fool looks intelligent when he keeps his mouth shut. See, last year was a Shemitah year. It was a year of rest. It was a year where you didn't plow, okay? Anything that grew, you gave away, right? Your debts were paid in full. That season's over. You've rested long enough. It's time to dream again. You've rested long enough. That season ended, okay? The new season is the season of the mouth, knowing when to talk and when to be quiet. Three is gamel. Gamel means overflow and abundance, but it means recompense of reward. So what God is saying in this now moment, you're going to get a recompense of reward in overflow for what you have spoke with your mouth and the times that the Holy Ghost said hush and you did. It means to get recompense of reward, either good or bad. You choose. Proverbs teaching us that with your mouth, you're going to speak life or death, and you're going to eat the fruit thereof, right? So our mouth, our words that we speak in this season determine our harvest, 
God himself had to speak creation into existence. What you speak creates things into existence. There is a pattern. Just like we learned about cycles yesterday, there's a cycle in the anointing. There's a cycle in provision. There's cycle in promises, right? We're going to talk about that today. I had to live through this myself. So in October, God opened up graciously for me to leave my nursing career after 30 years and go into full-time ministry at the church. Amen. I knew it had been coming for a couple of years. But right at the season that this was happening in October, we have to do this thing annually where we have to go to a doctor and get all these tests. And I had started having symptoms of a gallbladder attack, okay? And as a nurse, I self-diagnosed myself as having a gallbladder attack, right? So I went to our local hospital to get my blood work and everything for, the, for my husband's job. He's a chaplain with hospice. And they take me, and my boys were like, Mom, you got to get an ultrasound. I'm like, I don't need an ultrasound. It's my gallbladder. I'll eat low fat. It'll be fine. And they're like, Mom, if you're traveling out of the country to preach the gospel and you have a gallbladder attack and they have to take it out, you don't want to be in a third world nation doing it. And I'm like, whatever. So... I try to be obedient to my boys, you know what I'm saying, because they worry, and I'm thankful for that. So I went and got all this stuff. I told my provider, who's a friend of mine, what was going on. She said, Stacy, you don't need an ultrasound. It's just symptomatic. I know it's your gallbladder. Change your diet. I said, I know, but if I don't get this ultrasound, Colin Chase will drive me crazy. <laughs> so I went and got the ultrasound. When I got the ultrasound at Bonifay Hospital, the tech that was doing it, and I know her very well, she looked at me and she said, oh. And I'm like, what's up? She's like, mm. I'm like, no, we don't mm mean. I've known you way too long to mm mean. And she changed the subject. And I'm like, mm, mm mm come back. She said, you might want to call Cole. So I FaceTime Cole, like, like he can see anything FaceTiming. And so she's like, you've got an 11-centimeter mass on your liver. And she's freaking out. And I'm like, what? Now, granted, we have something in our community called rodeo. It comes once a year. My role at the church is I'm the women's pastor and the community coordinator. And this was the first year that we have all these volunteers at the rodeo. I don't know if y'all have ever been to a rodeo. But in my sleepy little town, old Sally the horse has been in the pasture all year long. But they're going to take her out of the pasture with 3,000 other horses. They're going to saddle her up. A man's going to take his shirt off, and he's going to get a case of beer. And he's going he's gonna to ride that horse through the town the entire week. Like, it's a big deal for rodeo. It's my funnest time to work the ER because people got stupid at rodeo. They just did some really wild things at rodeo. So this is the same time that rodeo's coming, right? And I'm leading this. It's the first time we've ever joined the Chamber of Commerce, first time we've ever done all this, and I'm leading this, right? This is this same week. 
and I got 11 bigger than baseball size masks in my stomach. And she's like, Stacy, this ain't good. I'm like, there ain't no way it can be anything bad because God's already told me I'm going to California. God's already told me I got some promises. God's already told me I'd have long life in ministry with my husband. I'd already been in the secret place. God had already shown me. He had already told me. And she's like, okay. So she sends it to Sherry and all these people. Y'all don't know them, so I can call them out. And all of a sudden, they start calling me, and they're panicking, and they're like, I've got Dr. Mitchum. He's going to meet with you this day. You've got to have CTs. He's going to do a biopsy. Stacy, we're so sorry. We're already getting a prayer chain going. And I'm like, no. Stop. No. No. They, they lived it with me. No. So long story short, all this is happening. I'm at the rodeo. I can't get my CTs, my MRIs until the following Monday and Tuesday. That was a miracle in itself. I'm at the rodeo. I'm doing the things. They put me in the front with thousands of people, me and two other political people, in the whole front leading the traffic, right, leading the, the people coming into the lines. I'm seeing everybody, okay? And I got a mass in my stomach that the local people think is cancer, okay? And this is my, I just quit my job. <laughs> Welcome to ministry moment. And so I get there, and I'm, I'm at the rodeo, and one of the local nurse practitioners who should have not had access to my medical files comes running up to me and says, I've been praying so hard for you. Not you, Stacy. not you. Anybody else but you. I'm so worried about you. I am so worried. And I'm like, shh, I'm healthy. There's nothing wrong with me. I am healthy. There is no way I can walk the three miles in the rodeo parade today and do the things that I'm doing and have a bigger than a baseball-sized cancer in my stomach. It's not there. I don't care what the ultrasound shows. I know my God, and I know what he's promised me. I know that I know that I know. Now, I did go to my car as soon as that was over, and nobody would answer the phone. Finally got a hold of Chase, but I had a, I had a moment with God, and he said, didn't I promise you? Have you forgotten what I've told you? No, God, I'm speaking life. Monday, I go get my MRI without contrast. Tuesday, I got to go back, hour and a half drive. I text my pastor. Surely he's going to say something comforting. He is my spiritual father. He knows, right? I text him privately. He sends back, Stacy, it's just part of the process. Really? That's all he says. My husband. I'll read you the scripture that God gave him. And God just began to pour through me and say, I'm showing you my love right now. I'm showing you my love right now. Because the scripture that I was shown was in Psalms, and it says, I have beset you 
which means I've hedged you in from before and behind, and I've put my hand on you. He's stuck, but his hand's on you. So I get there, and it's the second MRI with contrast and the little girl that's put my IV. She's like, I hate my job. I got the mask. She hates her job. I'm like, why do you hate your job, baby girl? It just stinks. Why does it stink? Well, I see people like you that look so healthy, and you're so full of life. But I saw your scans yesterday, and my job just stinks. And I said, baby girl, I'm healthy. And I got to minister to her, and I got to pray with her. And I got to witness to her. And she's like, how can you say you're healthy? I said, because I know my God. And I know my promises. I know his word. And I went through the MRI. And God spoke to me so clear. And he said, can you praise me now? Like you're going to praise me when you get the negative report. Can you trust me now, daughter, before you get the report? See, I dealt with that all week. You got to be careful who you speak things to. I think I had about five of y'all that knew what was going on with me. Nobody else. You know why? See, Joshua learned a lesson. Twelve spies were sent out first, but when he sent people, he only sent like two <laughs> He's like, he learned his lesson. You be careful who you allow into your intimate moments. Because when they start speaking things, it puts it out there. So that morning, we did all these things we were supposed to do. And I'll never forget getting the report. I got a benign hemangioma in my stomach. Cole calls it a huge nothing burger. But that's, he's in residency, right? He, he, you know, that's what he calls it. But God calls it so much more than that. God calls it my ring of fire. God calls it my training grounds. God calls it my wilderness moment. Because if you have a wilderness mindset, see yesterday we talked about Egypt, right? The, the grave of cravings that you had to deal with. And then we talked about Miriam and Aaron and all of that that had to be dealt with. And now the very next thing that happens is God sends Moses to tell 12 of them, 12 leaders' kids, leaders' kids, Okay, this is important. I am a good mama. I didn't have a mama growing up. She was broken. She got saved 36 hours before she died. Thank God that he took her when he did. She and her husband strung out on cocaine, went to a revival. She got saved. She called me that night at 10 o'clock to tell me she got saved. The next night when I went to sleep, I woke up to a phone call. She was dead. 
54 years old, autopsy says natural causes. God took her before she got strung out again. It's the best prayer I've ever had answered. God knew she would go right back to the drugs if he didn't take her. The man she was married to, strung out with, nine months, they were at the same revival, nine months to the day he wrapped his car around the light pole, died, strung out on cocaine. God said, I gave a chance for new life, for new birth, nine months. He died. It's reality. As parents, these were children of leaders that got sent to spy out the promised land. Ten of them came back, and all they saw were the giants. Two of them saw the harvest. We cannot protect our children to the point that when they see a giant, they run. How many times do we protect our children to the point that we shelter them that the first time they see a giant, they forget everything God told them? They forget their assignment. They forget their mission. They forget why they're there. And they see themselves as grasshoppers in the sight of the giants. As parents, we have got to allow. I think about David. I think about his mama. When David come home and said, I killed the lion, I'd be like, dude, you ain't going back to that field. (laughs) Baby boy, let me buy you a video game. You are not going back to the field. He killed a lion. He killed a bear. He went to kill Goliath. And I'm thinking, where was his mama? God was building character in him. Had he not faced Goliath, had he not faced the lion and the bear, he would have never been able to handle Saul the way he did. His biggest battle wasn't Goliath. His biggest battle was not putting on Saul's armor, but his biggest warfare came when his character had to be tested. Because if that baby boy could shred up a lion and a bear and throw one stone at Goliath, and dude, you're going to throw a spear at me and I'm going to take it? His greatest test was when those spears were thrown at him in the throne room that he'd already been ordained to take over, but nobody knew it. He had the physical strength to rip apart a lion and a bear, but he never took one action to touch the man called Saul. We get excited because we think the lion and the bear prepared him for Goliath, and God's like, no. No, he had to see all three of them so that when the spears started being thrown, he kept walking in the favor of God. Because your gifting will put you in places, but your character has to keep you there. 
See, when y'all were delivering babies here at New Life as midwives, there's a Herod out there, a religious Herod that wants to kill the babies you're giving birth to. They're going to tell you the babies that are coming in here to be born are not worth it. That the drug addict, the people off the street, the prophet, don't belong here. They're going to tell you that that old Herod mindset is going to say, let me know so I can come worship too. And all they're really wanting to do is kill it. These children of the, of the leaders went in. But that's seeking. How are your children? How are you preparing them for battle? I got a 16-year-old that knows that the demonic is real. It's full of the Holy Ghost. You know why he knows it? Because he's watched me and Pastor and several others roll around on the floor with devils. He's heard, he's heard demonic male voices come out of women. He's seen it. I don't, I don't make him run and go to a back corner. I let him know that the same anointing rides on his back that rides on mine. The same blood of Jesus covers him. He's not to be in fear. That is a spirit that does not belong in kingdom. He's covered in the blood. He walks in the anointing. See, it's one thing to know your identity. It's another thing to begin in walking in your authority. All 12 of them knew they were sons of the leaders, but only two of them walked in their identity and authority. There's a difference. There's a difference. So the Word of God says that the kids were the ones that were sent. The children were the ones that were sent. Now, the other thing that was so funny to me, so funny, Moses sends them, God tells Moses exactly where to send them, right? I had a fun time on the freeway here. So I had a GPS and I had a Laura. And I had a Lindsay telling me how pretty things were. And I'm on the freeway, and it's eight lanes this way and eight lanes that way. And I've never driven in anything like that. I FaceTime Cole to tell him. Like he has to leave his thing in residency thinking that it's an emergency. And I'm like, look at this. Snow-capped mountains here, Rocky Mountains here. This is so awesome. And he's like, Mom, you might want to just take a picture and focus on driving. <laughs> and I look down, and I'm driving 55 miles an hour <laughs> in California. <laughs> yeah. I felt like the clampets on the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> but I want you to know that we made it to Joshua Tree alive. And I saw things. It just blew my mind. And we just cried during the day at the goodness of God. But I had to follow the GPS. God sent the 12 spies 
to a certain place southward and then up the mountain. Now, get this. Did you know that the promised land was 150 miles long and 75 miles wide? I didn't know that either until I looked it up. And he specifically sent them to one town, the town of the giants. There was only one Anak and his sons and 150 miles. And God said, I'm sending you to see the giants. He could have sent them anywhere else, but he chose to send them there. Forty days, time of testing, he sent them there. Not only that, oh, it's so cool. Let me see if I can read it. It is so cool what God tells them. He tells them right here. He knew exactly where he was sending them to. See, giants will always be there. Say that out loud. Giants will always be there. Your perception is your reality, right? We learned that yesterday. The giant is just a distraction. The harvest is in the land. The giant is just a distraction. The harvest is in the land. The harvest, and I'm not going to read it because I don't even know why I make notes. But the reality is he looks at them and he tells them before he goes in, he's giving them the instructions, telling them what to do and all this kind of good stuff. And he says, be of good courage. That means be strengthened. That's what that means. Be of good courage. Strengthen yourself. There's grace. And oh, by the way, it's the first ripe grapes it's the first ripe grapes they had just learned they had just got the law they had just learned about the first fruit offering the first fruit offering is that offering that you give God the 10% and he blesses the 90% it's Jesus himself was the first fruit of the resurrection because we're all going to be resurrected when you look at that, you understand that God's saying, take up the first fruit offering. Yeah. Normally, you got to give it to me, is what God says. But when God is bringing you to breakthrough on your promise, he gives you a first fruit offering before the temptation comes. Amen. He gives you something to taste. And see that the Lord is good. They toted the grapes. But they talked about the giants. They ran with their gift and they left their inheritance. They ran with their gift, but they left their inheritance because their perception was on the giant while they're toting the harvest. New life. You got to get this. Pastor Jonathan has no idea. September 20th. I looked it up. 
he messaged me on Facebook Messenger saying that he had listened to my praise with purpose. And I'm like, praise God. And I was praying for him. He messaged me back. He said, I talked to Pastor Jared and asked you, would you come out here? I was in my office at the time. I was transitioning, and I squalled. I just cried. Stopped everything, and I just cried. Because I had just been in my boss's office and told them that it wouldn't be long before I was leaving completely. And my boss looked at me and she said, she didn't blink an eye. She said, well, this is either the most insane thing I've ever heard of or the bravest thing I've ever seen. And she said, knowing you, I'm going to take it as being brave. And see, when I told her that, the board hadn't even met about me coming. Nobody had asked me to come preach anywhere. I had nothing but a promise. And when I went and sat in my office and he messaged me, God said, that's your first fruit offering. That's my grape. That's my grape. That's my grape. September 20th, 40 days of testing. Rodeo's the first weekend in October. I got my grape. But then I got told I got a mass. What report am I going to believe? What am I going to speak? What am I going to do? Because my flesh said, you better go back to that hospital. You better make that $100 an hour. You better figure out how to pay the medical bills. And my God said, daughter, tote the grape. Daughter, eat of the fruit. Daughter. Because it... I'm not teaching you just about Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus said, what? You got to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. When he says, taste and see that the Lord is good, they didn't, did they even eat the grape or just toad it? And in the New Testament, the disciples looked at him, some of them, and said, it's too hard. We can't do this. There's giants. I'm toting the grapes, but all I see is giants. All I see is myself like a grasshopper. That was their own perception of their own selves. And the disciples were like, it's too hard. we got to walk away. And then Jesus looked at the other ones. You know what they said? Where would we go? Where else would I go? You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. Where else would I go? Where else would you go? There's no going back, new life. There's no going back. You will never be able to unsee what you have seen this week. You are toting grapes of revival right now. 
There's a harvest. There's a harvest. There's a harvest. So when you get through this word, and it begins to go into detail about these first fruits. Oh, my Lord, it just, mmm. Mmm. They had to learn a few things. One of the things that they had to learn is that you have to train yourself to not speak what you see. You cannot speak what you see. There is a spirit behind every manifestation, every personality, every rationale, every characteristic. That's not your personality, sister. That's a stronghold. People say all the time, that's just my personality. No, that's a stronghold. If it's not Jesus Christ, then it's a stronghold. It's not bad. We all have had them. We've all had to be set free from me. I had to be set free from me. It's a stronghold. It's time that we start calling things what they are. You choose. I mean, I got a stronghold. I'm arrogant. I got a stronghold of pride. I'm jealous. I got a stronghold. Quit trying to pretty up your junk. It don't make no sense when God wants to set you free. Twelve people, twelve is government. They were all sent to spy out the land, and he showed them the giants. There will always be a temptation just before breakthrough. Always be something that pulls you to want to look back, go back, or be back to who you used to be. What you've experienced here is freedom. But when you walk out of here, there's going to be a temptation to go right back. But you've been given eyes to see now the trap, the offense. And you have the authority through the blood of Jesus to refuse to fall for it. All 12 of them were in the same wilderness, on the same path, led by the same God, looking at the same things. And only two of them chose to speak life. Ten or two, it's your choice. But the consequences are eternal. So let's flip on, let's figure out what God's showing next. Caleb is so cool. (laughs) Caleb's like, dude, let's go. God said we could have it. God said we could take it. Let's go. Let's go, new life. Let's go, new life. Let's go, new life. Let's go, new life. You got to get ready for the people. You better get ready for the negative report. From those who see the fruit but doubt the vision. Get ready for that negative report. From people who see the fruit 
but doubt the vision. Get ready for it. It's a tactic of the enemy. It's going to come. Just because you hear the mouths of other people talking does not mean it's God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. They had a perception that they looked like grasshoppers in the eyes of the enemy. How many of you can honestly say, that's how I feel? I have a wilderness mentality already. I feel like I'm this and the enemy's like that. You can be set free from that today. You can be set free from that today. My oldest didn't hit puberty till he was out of high school. My middle one was he hit full on puberty. He was full grown by the by the ninth grade. He had a full beard in the tenth grade, right? He really did. He really did. And Cole, boy, as long as Chase was there. He'd bow up in a heartbeat. He didn't mind what he said or who he said it to because he had Chase behind him. And nobody in the town's going to mess with Chase. But the minute he got outside, away from Chase, he learned real quick how to eat humble pie. <laughs> the kid quit football because he said, hey, you see this arm? It's my pitching arm. It's going to be worth a lot of money one day. And they throw me around like a rag doll. So I'm quitting this sport, right? So he knew that he'd get beat up. <laughs> but when Chase was in the room, he had no fear. When you walk with Jesus Christ within you, the only hope of glory, you walk in every authority access to the kingdom. With him living in you, there is no fear. There is no giant. There is nothing or nobody who can dare come against your one true God. Every time when Colt was filling out his applications for med school, they told him at FSU, they said, we know you're saved. We know you're a Christian. Don't put words like blessed or favored. Don't talk about God. In your interview, they'll, they'll take you down to the leftist thing, and it'll just get bad. Cole called me and told me that. He said, guess what this means? I said, what? He said, this means it's God's battle now, not mine. His application talked all about him leading the men's study group in the Bible. It talked about him being blessed and highly favored of God. And his interview, one of the women led a Bible study too. <laughs> There's always a fear tactic. Pastor preached on it one time. He preached on the fact, let me come, that when you're walking with God, you know, baby, when you're walking with God, the enemy will get right here. And he'll taunt you. And he'll blow on your neck. And he'll say things to you to make you doubt God. But he can't cross that bloodline. Yeah. 
He can't cross the bloodline. He can't cross it. See, God had already given them victory over the giants. That giant could not cross. You'll learn about that later. He could not cross the bloodline. He was already dead, didn't even realize it yet. But when they saw it with their eyes, they walked away from the promise of God. They chose. They made the decision to not receive the promise of God. You have a choice today, new life. You have a choice today. Oh, it's so good. It's good to me. I don't know if it's good to y'all. But he talks about here what you see of yourself matters. In this word, we talked about Moses yesterday. And we talked about offenses and still today's offenses. Things that could get you all messed up. But Moses, remember he went through all these things and he dealt with Miriam and Aaron. We talked about that yesterday. But Moses never entered into the promised land. There's a scripture in Psalms that says, I would have fainted had I not believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I would have quit a long time ago had I not believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. If your goal is to get saved and get to heaven, you've missed kingdom. If your only goal in life is to get saved so you can go to heaven, you've missed kingdom. Because you're called to be a living epistle read by all men. So that you're the light of the world. Everybody sees Jesus in you. If you haven't realized it yet, the enemy of your soul is here to kill, steal, and destroy. He doesn't want to kill you dead. Quit thinking the enemy wants you dead. He don't want you dead. For me to die is what? For me to die is what? Game. When I die, my father's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I get to cast my crowns at his feet. The enemy don't want me dead physically. For me to live is Christ. He wants my testimony. He wants Christ in me. He wants me to stumble and fall and be in offense to the place that the people who used to see Jesus in me now see flesh. That's the enemy's whole role in your life. He is the enemy of your soul. What is your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. He attacks your mind, your thoughts, your will, and your emotions. Emotions don't pause. Emotions don't pause. So if you speak what you see, you will be led by your emotions every single time. And when you're led by your emotions, you fall for the trap 
and you become a stumbling block for somebody else watching your life because you're not walking in the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. And you allow Christ within you to die. I can't go where I want to go. I can't defend myself. I can't retaliate. I can't say what I want to say. Because the moment I do, Christ in me dies. And Stacy lives again. It's really hard to miss somebody carrying a cross. When I, see, I said it at some point. You can cast out a demon, right? In the name of Jesus, every demon has to flee. But you got to crucify your flesh. A lot of times people come to me, I want deliverance. Honey, I can't deliver you from you. Jesus can't deliver you from you. You have to crucify your flesh. You crucify your flesh. These 12 all were given the same opportunity. Moses, oh, what a mighty man of God. He got so frustrated with people. Right? People. I want y'all to get this. I know I've slowed down today. I felt like I needed to teach deep. Please, please understand that. But Moses, when he first dealt with people, mm, they were, he went up to hear from God. He put people in charge he thought he could trust. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Growing people is hard. Cutting people is easy. Growing people is hard. It is grace upon grace upon grace. When you're born into the kingdom, you're an infant, you're a baby. I got women in my church that have been in the toddler season for three years. I'm so tired of putting a bottle in their mouth. They've been in this thing 25 years and I got to give them a bottle. But I love them enough. I understand. And until they're willing and ready to move on to the meat, I got to provide the milk. Moses got frustrated at the first thing when they were they were having like orgies and and, and circling around golden calves and all these weird things. And it comes down from the mountain, and God's like, I'm fixing to kill them all. That's what God said. Lee Shipp preaches this. Man, it's powerful. And, and instead of Moses letting God, because what the law that he just got said that every one of those people were going to die. If he presented that law to them, What they had just done would cause death. So you know what Moses did? He broke the law himself. 
He said, poof. I'm not going to present it to them because it will bring death to them. Let the reproach be on me so that grace can come to them. You have no idea how much grace is imparted to you because your two pastors break the law and say, I'll take the reproach, but show them mercy. No idea. That was at the beginning. That was at the beginning, right? But at the end of this thing, he had got frustrated and frustrated and frustrated, right? And God said, go speak to the rock because your words matter. That's what we've learned today. Speak life to the rock. Water will flow out. Jesus has already been crucified. You ain't got to go beat him up. You ain't got to go beg. You ain't got to go, go beat yourself up. Just speak to the rock. And water now flows. And instead he hid it. And because of what? His disobedience. But it was his anger. It was his frustration. It was what? Yeah. He gave in to the offense of the people. He fell for the trap. And when we fall for the trap and we act out in our flesh and we beat the rock instead of speak to it, the people still got fed. The people still drank from the rock. But Moses missed the promised land. He missed the promised land. He missed seeing the goodness of God in the land of the living because he gave in to the repeated cycle of offense. I need people in my life for multiple reasons, but I need them to show me what offends me. Because I would not know that offense was there because we, we, we clean ourselves up pretty good. And we cover up things and we cover up things and we make it look all bright and shiny. And God's like, I'm going to bring somebody to your life that's going to rub you raw. That's going to bring offense to you. It's probably your spouse. God puts you together in unity as one. Right? There ain't nobody that can rub me raw more than my husband. I love him dearly. God knew. Like he come into my life, he had no baggage. Never been married, never had children, no baggage. I, I ooh, my life. I had three U-Hauls of baggage. <laughs> True story. Had a whole ball team at my house, never locked my door. Like it was just all, all out there. I worked two jobs. He come in the house one day, and we had been dating a little while, and he said, you know you got food in your pantry that was outdated four years ago? Me and Cole looked at each other and said, dude, we got food? We got a pantry? We didn't know. We lived through a drive-thru. True, true story. But he presents to me what I lack. And I present to him what he lacks. 
I brought a little flexibility and squiggly to him. He brought a whole lot of structure to me. But God knew, God knew, God knew that I needed him in my life. And he'll call things out in my life that nobody else will. He'll speak truth to me in a heartbeat. And my flesh wants to rise up. But my spirit says, you know it's true. You know it's true. You know it's true. And I got a decision to make. I got a choice to make. Because the people that bring offense to you are revealing you. If you are offendable, it means you got something within you that will receive offense. You can live unoffended. You can love unoffended. The offense will be there, but you don't have to fall for it. Moses, of all people, gave in to the offense, and he missed out on the promised land. Caleb, if we have a service tomorrow, and I'm, I'm the one that gets to minister, we're going to talk about Caleb. He walked around the same mountain for 40 years. Them 10 died on the spot, by the way. They didn't even get to go to the wilderness. He walks around the same mountain for 40 years, and every time he goes around the mountain, he says, there's my mountain. There's my mountain. Two million people die. He has to watch them all die. He has to get over that. But he keeps his mind set on, that's my mountain. That's my promise. That's my God. Whoever's playing, come on. But I want to ask you, New Life, some serious questions today. Because yesterday you had breakthrough from the cycle, right? And you got freedom. You did. You did. It's beautiful. Last night, them devils were <laughs> drowned. It was amazing. But today is a new day. Today's a new moment. You've got past that. The water broke. Now you're in the ring of fire. What are you speaking? What are you speaking today? As you stand and he begins to play, I want you to understand something. I had to write it down. I had to write it down. This is your moment. You've got the fruit, the first fruits in your hands. This week has been amazing. I don't even know y'all, but I know y'all now. And I can walk around to y'all and I can tell you the fruit that you're carrying right now. What God has set you free from what God has done within you. You are literally toting the grapes right now. You've got the first fruits in your hands today. Now what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with them grapes? What kind of report are you allowing the enemy to bring to your mind? What are you going to speak over yourself? 
Or are you going to tote the grapes and look at the giants? Or are you going to eat of your harvest? Or are you going to continue to shelter your children to the point that they run from the giants? Or are you going to continue to think that I'm not good enough, I'm just a grasshopper, I can't have my mountain? What are you doing today? Because this is your moment. This is your moment to decide whether you want to wander around in a wilderness for the years to come or whether you want to take back your mountain. Whether you want to run with the gift and miss your inheritance. No more running, new life. If I were you, I'd be already filling these altars with an understanding that, God, I cannot any longer tote my gifts and miss my harvest. No longer, God, can I speak death over me or my family or my life or my promise. Lord, forgive me for what I've spoken. There's a harvest church. There's a harvest church.